What is up, everybody? I am Sean, and I'm back, back again for another episode of the Slinging Scuds podcast. This is episode number 37, and this is actually a big one. For the first time, I'm not going to be doing this alone. I'm joined today by a good friend of mine, Maggie Pillitz, and she's been writing for various Bay Area sports blogs for about four years now. She was the person that actually got me started at Golden Gate Sports, which, was, which is where I've been for three plus years now. Uh, so if you're reading anything that I've been writing lately, it's her fault. So let her know about it. She also works around the area as a basketball coach. She's really well into sports, uh, a very smart person. Very excited to get this conversation going. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the show. Congrats on being my first guest. Yay. So giant season just ended and it was extremely disappointing the whole year round. Any thoughts on uh, Matt Cain? Last start as a giant, as anybody? Oh, my gosh. Well, he, I mean, I I don't know about you, but I was a crying mess when I watched it. Um, He, I mean, he's just been like the image of the Giants for me for so long. I mean, obviously, we've seen a bunch of other faces of the franchise, like Timmy and Barry and Buster and Mad Bum and all that. But um, Matt Cain's just always been there. It seems like he's just been there for so long and he's the horse. I mean, he's, he's a workhorse. He's just constantly giving you however many innings and um, whatever. So it was, it was hard to, it was hard to see him retire. I don't know. I think it was harder than I expected. I don't know about you. Yeah. I I, I knew it was going to be difficult to watch him knowing that he wasn't going to be back next year, but knowing that he's not going to pitch at all just right. made it a little bit harder to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would have been hard for me to see him pitch for anyone else besides us. Um, but yeah, just knowing that it was his last time. I mean, he had a hell of a last outing though. I will say yeah. that classic Kane. Yeah. It was a shot out and still loses the game. How yeah. About no that? run support. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so, uh, what do you, when you think of Matt Kane, what, what is the first thing, the first game you think of? Well, I mean, I think, I think kind of obviously the perfect game obviously comes to mind. Um, I think that was, that was one that I remember watching all the way through, um, and you know, you start watching the game and obviously you have no idea what to expect. And then, you know, a few innings in you're thinking, oh, okay, well he's doing pretty well. That's pretty good. And then, you know, a few more innings go by and you're like, well, this is, this has been pretty quiet. And obviously you don't want to say anything to jinx it. Um, but yeah, that was just the, the feel of the game was pretty crazy to me. Cause I think, you know, we've seen no hitters, but that's the only perfect game that I've witnessed in my life. Um, yeah. Not that I was there in person, but just seeing it on TV was very emotional. Gregor Blanco's catch, I think I'll always have in my mind. Um, and yeah, and just the reaction of the team at the end. I think that's the game that I'm always going to remember from Matt Cain um, specifically. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't get any better than perfect. So yeah. that's a, a great way to remember him. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the Giants in 2018, obviously Matt Cain's not going to be back. And it it's sort of a new era, but... Not really. Madison Baumgartner, Matt K- or Buster Posey, they're, they're all back. But what does the team need to do to, to fix this whole mess? Yeah, you know, they're in that awkward phase where it's like a rebuild, but not. Like, they, right. they don't want to admit it's a rebuild. Um, like, I think Brian Sabian was the one that was asked that recently. And he was like, no, it's not a rebuild. We're fine. Um, so it's kind of this, yeah, it's kind of this awkward phase where, you know, we won three World Series titles in very recent history, but then we had one of the worst seasons ever um, yeah, this year. So, franchise history. 
yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's this, it's this weird time where I think, I think they honestly don't totally know what to do. Cause I think going into the off season, they, or every season, really, I think going into the off season, they have, you know, there's an obvious few areas that you want to target going into the off season. And you can do that by free agency or, you know, the farm system or whatever. But I think this year it's, it's kind of almost a little more worrisome just because it was so many different areas. Um, I think one thing you have to target in some way is uh, outfield defense, as I think you've talked about recently. Um, Should be priority number one, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I think so, too, because I think it relates to pitching, too. You know, I think the starting pitching looks better if your outfield defense is better. Of course. Um, I mean, how many games did you watch last year where a blooper falls in front of a guy, an easily catchable ball, and it turns into a big inning? Oh, yeah. I mean, you lost count. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was, it was hard to see that from, you know, from a guy like Hunter Pence, for example, who, you know, is just kind of who you always think of as your reliable right fielder. And then to see something like that happen, it's just, it's just kind of shocking and weird. Um, so, I mean, I, I definitely think that's probably the biggest area they have to address. Um, and I'm not saying they shouldn't address starting pitching. I think that's in pitching or, you know, bullpen pitching in general too. Um, but I think, but I do think that that kind of leads to some other factors. Like I said, like, I think if the defense is better then they save some runs and it works out better for the starting pitcher. So yeah, it's all a, a big snowball effect. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah, you get some guys that catch the ball. The, the innings don't continue like they did last season. You know, who knows what happens? Yeah. And, and, you know, there are definitely some question marks, I think on other positions like third base. Um, you know, I think kind of just who, it from the farm system is going to step up and who's going to be healthy and who's going to be able to contribute every day, whether that's, you know, Ryder Jones or Christian Arroyo. Um, I think they're kind of like random questions like that, or if they want to just completely try something else. Um, I think that's going to be interesting to see. And I think, I, I think also that left field, I think they're going to put span there, but I'm not really thrilled about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I disagree. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard to, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's hard. Cause I really like Denard spam, but I just don't really know if he's the answer for left field. I really don't. I, I mean, he was the worst defensive player in baseball yeah. last year, not just center fielder. So by defensive run saved, how much better is he going to be in left field? You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, obviously it's not, it's not as problematic as if he's in center field. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still not a good, that. it's still not a good right. thing. So no. yeah. But I mean, they've they've kind of backed themselves into the, into this corner by giving out these long term contracts to right. to Pence, right. Span. All these guys are now they have to deal with it. Yeah, they they can't just say okay, bye. They have to deal with it. Yeah, and I think that's why it complicates the kind of rebuild but not situation because they have all these big contracts, like you said. Um, and they have some intriguing young players, but not a lot. So they're just in this kind of limbo, I think, where it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Cause I think they could kind of go either way where it signals more of a rebuild or they could end up not even doing that much and be, have a really underwhelming off season too. So I don't know. Um, yeah, that's definitely a possibility we have to prepare for. Yeah. I do think that I'm not sure how possible this is given the market that's going to be out there, but I do think it would be really great for them to resign Nick Hunley. Um, yeah. I became a huge fan of his over the season. I'm sure you did too. <laughs> of course. Um, so, I mean, I, again, I'm not really sure if that's possible, but I think that'd be great. And I think that just builds in so much 
um, insurance for Buster, and he's just a solid power option, and we don't have a lot of those, so it'd be great to have him back. Isn't there for the team, and and Hundley four home runs from the right handed from the right hand side, yeah, at eighteen or ties him for the team lead, (laughs) which is which is kind of sad in itself, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. Will Myers from San Diego hit six in nine games. Oh goodness, Hunter and Nick Hundley hit four (laughs) all season at AT and T. So yeah, uh, I mean Nick Hundley is in a spot where he had a good season and now he's a free agent and he has his pick of the litter. Right. Yeah. So somebody is probably going to offer him, you know, a starter contract probably, but he says he likes San Francisco. So maybe they have the advantage. Uh, Yeah. But you know, know. that's money talks. He's, I mean, he's great for the clubhouse too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he you don't, don't win Willie Mack. Without. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a Willie Mack Award winner, and just he just seems like a really good energy that I think the team needs. Um, I think it's a, an energy that they were really lacking. Um, so I, anyway, I think he'd be great to bring back, but who knows if that'd be possible given yeah. you know what other teams are going to offer him. After watching all these backup catchers behind Posey for years, oh yeah, seeing Hunley back there sometimes was a, was a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, exactly. But uh, there's so many things the Giants need to work on. It's it's kind of hard to pinpoint one specific area. What would you say is the biggest area? I, I would agree with you. The outfield defense, first and foremost, has to get better. Yeah. Uh, especially at AT&T Park because Hunter Pence and Denard Spann trying to cover Triples Alley. Oh, gosh. It's oh, a bad combination. Yeah. Not a pretty sight. No. And, and I heard, uh, I, I don't have the numbers right here off the top of my head, but they led the league in giving up triples. Uh, that's got to um, be right. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me either, but that seems right to me. Yeah. So, obviously, outfield defense plays a part there too. But uh, let's move on to a different subject. The Golden State Warriors are ready to open their season next Tuesday, right? Yeah, this upcoming Tuesday against the Rockets at home. I know you're excited. Oh, <laughs> yes. I've been waiting for this since about mid-June when they won. So... <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. excited. That's I think at that's a little bit of an understatement. an understatement. Right. At least you had the short off season with the with the championship to fall back on. Oh yes, yeah. I I, I greatly value those now. The short off seasons. Yeah. So, uh, who are some of the the newcomers that you're excited to see? Well, the cool thing about this year, I think, is that um, you know in previous years there was a fair amount of roster turnover. Um, not, I mean, not with any of the big names, obviously, but just um, kind of like role players and bench guys. Um, this year, they're only they're, the roster is basically the same except for three guys, um, which is pretty exciting to me. And it's and the three guys that we got, I'm actually pretty excited about. Um, I'm not sure how much you follow, but we our rookie this year is Jordan Bell. Um, I think he's around seven feet tall. He might be a little short of that, um, but he I, I've only seen him play in a couple games in the preseason, but he is really exciting to me. Um, a lot of people call him kind of like a mini Draymond Green, which I think is an interesting comparison because uh, he I mean, he's That's definitely he's definitely taller than Draymond. So he's got a bigger build. Um, but he, but he, yeah, his energy and just like the spark that he brings to the team is pretty undeniable. Um, and he, his just de- defensive awareness on the court at all times is really impressive for a rookie. Um, and I just really like his energy and just his spirit. He just seems like a really positive, fun guy. And I think that's really good to have as a rookie. Um, Draymond, I guess is his mentor this season. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> yeah. If he's, 
that good already and having Draymond tutor him is, you know, good things are coming. I remember watching him at Oregon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I can't believe he fell as far as he did in the draft. I know. Yeah. I believe I know, it. yeah. What are your expectations for the Warriors this year? Is this, is this a championship or bust? I think so. Um, I mean, they're coming off of a season, obviously where KD, it was his first season with them championship. Um, they only lost one game in the playoffs. Like I think it, if it's not championship or bust, then something's wrong. Um, I also think just based on what they did in the off season too, you know, they, they were able to re-sign the core guys. They added really, really smart bench guys like Omri Caspi and Nick Young. Like they're, those two fit very, very well into the system. I think it's obviously, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to kind of fit into the, to the offensive scheme and the chemistry. But I think, I mean, I think just based on the system that we have in place and the veterans that we have, I think uh, they're going to fit in pretty quickly. Um, obviously this is all based on injuries though. You know, obviously health is really important. So if, if someone gets injured, then that's going to change things. But I think, you know, I think that they're definitely the favorite. Um, I think they're definitely going to the season with a target on their backs, but they're used to that. So, yeah, I mean, two championships in three years, you know, you get the league's attention doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest target you could have. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think this team is, is good enough to challenge 73 wins again? You know, I I think they are, but I do think that they're going to kind of, I think last season they kind of had an approach, obviously coming off of the 73 win season. I think they're going to, they kind of had this approach last year where they just weren't really focusing on the record and the numbers. I think they almost played too much into that in 2016. Um, So I think, I think this past year they kind of just focused on, winning, resting guys when they needed to. Um, and I kind of think it's going to be the same this year. I think if they get to 73, that'd be amazing. But I think that they're more focused on getting that number one seed, winning as often, as efficiently as possible in the playoffs, and obviously getting another championship. Yeah, so bigger goals than 73. I think uh, so, yeah. Regular season, psh, they want to win that championship. Yeah, again. exactly. I mean, it, the playoffs is where it matters. So I think that's their focus. Right. Of course. Who is the biggest challenge in the West? Is a, what do you think about OKC's new big three? Do they have a chance? You know, this is a tough question for me because I think, you know, obviously OKC and the Rockets made some pretty huge moves. Um, you know, the Spurs are always there, obviously. Um, I personally think the Thunder are they're a little more intimidating than the Rockets are. Um just me personally, I think just Westbrook coming off of his MVP season alone is kind of scary. Um, and then add in Paul George, who I think could probably play in any system and do well and be an all-star. Um, and then Mello, who I think will fit in pretty well. And I think he obviously kind of ups the tempo on their system, which can threaten the Warriors. Um, I'm not saying they're going to beat them, but I'm just saying I think that they kind of pose the biggest threat to that. Um, but I think, you know, I think the Rockets are intimidating. Obviously you add in a player like Chris Paul and that's gotta be scary. Um, it's a good combo. Yeah. I just, you know, I just wonder how they're going to handle the, the ball handling activities. I think, uh, both Chris Paul and James Harden are players that need and want the ball in their hands a lot. So I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, the Spurs, I, I don't think that they had necessarily a, a super exciting offseason, but they're always there at the top. And so um, they're always going to be a tough team for us. And yeah. so I think that's those are kind of the three main teams in the West. OK, so what about what about the Eastern Conference? I mean, it just seems every year that you keep getting weaker and weaker. Yeah, you know, the, the Eastern Conference is a joke. It really is. 
Um, yeah, the, they you know all the talk about realigning the conferences. Yeah, I think at this point, it really needs to be strongly considered. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think the biggest thing about that to make it work is just the travel aspect. Um, but but yeah, I think it, the Eastern Conference is just I think it's just getting like more and more embarrassing. I mean, that, that sounds really mean, but I think it's true. It's, yeah, it is true. Yeah. Every year you take big pieces out. And there's no more big pieces coming in. Yeah, well, and, and and if you look at, like, the Eastern Conference All-Stars last year, for example, I can't remember how many of them, but there are a fair amount of them that are now in the West. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so, I, but, yeah, I mean, we all know, I think, in the East that it's basically the Cavs and the Celtics. Um, yep. Those are the two main teams to look out for. I personally am even less worried about the Cavs than I was last year. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole LeBron Kyrie thing is, is weird. Yeah, it really is. Um, and that was their best chance basically. Oh yeah. And they said, well, I don't really like playing with you that much. So never mind. That was definitely, I mean, that was a really interesting storyline to me. Cause I, I mean, I personally don't really like LeBron. I don't really see him as a good teammate. Um, and yeah. so it didn't really surprise me, but I just thought it was interesting that someone finally spoke out about that. Cause I don't really know if anyone had in the past. Yeah, well, he's LeBron. So yeah, exactly. well, who's going to, whose side is management going to take LeBron or somebody else? Right. He, he just kind of instills yeah. like the fear of God into you because he's LeBron. Yeah. So, well, it usually works for him. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that, I don't know. I think, I think the Cavs got older, um, and, I, you know, Isaiah obviously is out. I think they don't know exactly when he's coming back, but they said probably around January. Um, so, I mean, I think that'll be interesting when he comes back, but you know, I think like the Dwayne Wade edition, I'm kind of yawning over. I'm like, okay, cool. Great. Um, yeah, it's 35 year old Dwayne Wade. Yeah. I mean, Dwayne Wade's great and you know, he's reunited with his bestie LeBron, but I just don't think it's that exciting. Um, I, I think the Celtics are going to be pretty good this year. I think Kyrie and Gordon Hayward are going to be a pretty good combination. Um, but you know, I, but I mean, you, you can never, obviously you can never count LeBron out of the play in the playoffs. I mean, he's just unstoppable sometimes. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know if the Celtics will necessarily beat them out in the East, but I think that those are obviously the two top teams and it's going to be interesting mostly just for the rivalry to watch that. So if I asked you gut feeling right now, what do the NBA finals look like this year? I'd probably say Warriors Cavs. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's like that revolutionary of a pick, but I think if I had to go off of that, I'd say that I would love for it to be Warriors Celtics because I love seeing the Cavs suffer more than anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I just think that, you know, LeBron's playoff experience and adding in even like, you know, Dwayne Wade's playoff experience, he's, he's a whole other animal in the playoffs too. So I think, when he's when he's well rested and healthy, yeah. he's he'll be dangerous. And you've got to think that they have some kind of plan to rest him throughout the season. Um, I you know I think it's probably going to end up being Warriors Cavs, but I would love yeah, I would love to be surprised and have it be some other Eastern Conference team. All right, well we'll see. We only have ten months, eight months to figure it out. Yeah. All right then. I think that's everything. I guess we're going to sign off. Uh, where can we reach you? Best place to reach me is probably my Twitter page. Um, it's at Maggie Pilloton. Pilloton is spelled P-I-L-L-O-T-O-N. Um, you can find basically all my kind of random sports thoughts. Um, some sarcasm is involved. Hopefully you enjoy it. Um, yeah, and you'll find some of my articles and stuff on there. So hopefully you give me a follow. 
So speaking of articles, what are you uh, what are you up to these days? So I don't have a ton of specific updates at the moment that I can give you, but I will say that there is a project in the works um, where you'll see more sports articles from me, um, some more interviews, possibly some other videos, some other kind of content. Um, so I'll definitely keep you updated on what's going on. But um, I'd love to have you guys check it out once it's ready and up and running. Excellent. Very exciting. I want to thank Maggie again one last time for coming on and, and being a part of this. I think we did. I think we had a great conversation there. Lots of good back and forth. Uh, her Twitter link, I'm going to put that in the video description, both on SoundCloud and iTunes. So if you want to go check her out, just hit her up. She's a great writer, very smart, very reasonable in her sports takes. Uh, that's not easy to find nowadays, but she is, she's a heck of a writer in that. So check her out. Very excited for her new project. And hopefully... Uh, in the coming months or you know sooner than that maybe we can have her back on and and do this again hopefully have some other guests on as well that would be great i think uh let me know what you guys think as always thank you for tuning in thank you for your support we're gonna sign off now so until next time good night and don't swing anything in the dirt